friends, I could not be more excited to share the wisdom that my friend Ariella has to share in this conversation that we had about all things femininity, birthing, shmita, all of the things that are just really pressing issues right now, I think, when it comes to world events and just the state of things. We really relate everything back to some of these topics and how the impact of childbirth can really have a powerful effect on the world at large and what we can do to better support ourselves and our loved ones through the process of childbirth. Ariella is an expert in in childbirth. She is a home birthing mama and also a doula and she leads a birth circle and is just full of so much knowledge and wisdom on this topic. I cannot wait to share this conversation. Hey friends! Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hi friends, it's me, Lacey, and I am here today to have a really lovely conversation. I cannot wait to get started, but first I want to introduce you to my new friend, Ariella Sharon. She is a friend of mine who lives in Israel, and you know I have a heart for Israel, and she grew up in the States, but her name on Instagram is Olam Mama, so follow her there. She came into my circle because I listened to her talking about birth in this really, really beautiful way a couple of months ago with a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, and I just am so excited to talk to her today a little bit about some of the things that we have in common. She is a spiritual childbirth educator. And I just, that, that's like the most beautiful title for identity I can think of (laughs) because there's nothing more spiritual than the birth experience. There's nothing more miraculous. There's nothing more just life giving than being in the room when a child is born or experiencing it yourself and all of the things. I love birth, right? Recently recorded a home birth podcast. If you haven't listened to it, you should listen to that too. But, but today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that are just happening. It's within the cycles of the seasons and the Hebrew calendar and in our farm life and in the world of femininity, femininity and all of those things. And I, I just can't wait to get started, but we, we spoke a little bit on Instagram about what we wanted to cover today. And those things are everything from Shemitah, which if you haven't listened to our Shemitah podcasts and you don't know what Shemitah means, don't worry, we'll review it a little bit. But also, you know, what is it like to be a woman and how do all of these things kind of intertwine? But yeah, but Ariella, is there anything I missed that I should let our listeners know about you? I think you did a great job and hopefully <laughs> they'll get to know me more through our conversation. That would be fabulous. So Ariella, tell us a little bit about you know, what got you interested in the line of work that you're in? Wow. So many things. Like most people, it was a, a journey, you know, continuing a continual unfolding. And I find that it still is doing that. But if I was to pinpoint a moment in time and a person who really inspired me, her name is Lael Stemming. She lives in California. She was my midwife and she would come over every single month. And we would talk while I was pregnant with my daughter and we would talk for an hour, an hour and a half about birth, about spirituality, about being a woman. And she was really a mentor for me in stepping into my power, Mm -hmm. not only in birth, but in 
life. And so I became fascinated by having conversations that centered around being a woman that weren't medicalized mm. and that were in community. So I had my first event and I, it was just all about the uterus. I invited women over and I had her come to speak a little bit about the science around the miracle of the uterus from, mm. from her perspective. And then I had a, somebody bring in herbs and wisdom around caring for the uterus. And then somebody to speak about the spirituality of the uterus. In Judaism, every organ is associated with something spiritual. Uh, and then there was a uterus cake and we sang and the oxytocin was flowing. <laughs> and I just... <laughs> I realized how uplifting these, uh, these experiences were. And that's what got me going initially into the work that I'm currently doing, which is leading conversations around birth, postpartum conception, all of all of that good stuff. Hmm. These are such important topics. Yeah. And, and isn't it funny how our midwives can become this like, just, yeah, like a extension of what we need exactly when we need it in more ways than just the birth, right? Like it's just, I, I, that relationship is so powerful for me that I have with my midwife. And if you listen to our conversation that went on for like over an hour, it's just one of those things where you have this unique bond with a person who can guide you in a way that, you know, this most natural thing that we're supposed to be able to do and be empowered to do. And I think those relationships have just been stripped away. So I think it's beautiful that you're facilitating these conversations. It's so important that women have access to that. And I, yeah, it's just beautiful, but yeah. Okay. So moving into shifting gears into like the world of Shemitah, how do you feel like that is impacting your life? How do you feel like, and just as a quick review, so Shemitah is this biblical idea of resting your land on the seventh year, you know, you work for six years, you till, you grow, you harvest. And then on the seventh year, you don't. And um, that's a simplified version, right? But how does that translate? You know, as a farmer, I've been digesting this. This is really the first time we've really delved into Shemitah and learned how to incorporate it into the, 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 the practices that we have going on. What does that look like in your world? And what does it make you, you know, think about? Mm. Yeah, it's, so in the land of Israel, Shemitah is, it's a huge, for those who, practice it, it really has a huge impact, can have a huge impact on how you're living. And I, I joke with my husband that next Shemitah, mm -hmm. I want to really do it. Like I want to store up food for mm -hmm. the year. I want to calculate how much we're going to need because that's really what it's about. It's about the farmers taking a break. Mm -hmm. It's about really resting. So if you've done all your grocery shopping for a year, you've meal planned for a year, I, I really see that as a, a way into rest, like on Shabbat, Shemitah is like a big version of Shabbat. On Shabbat, we don't cook, we're not cleaning. Everything's been planned out so that we can rest. Unfortunately, we've, or fortunately, really, they're all the, the loopholes around Shemitah here in, in Israel. So it's actually, you can pretty much go about your daily life living in a loophole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that, I feel like that's, yeah, Drew and I, we like to, that's, we just, we talk about loopholes a lot and like, what, why would you do that? that you missed the point, right? Like, but you know, yeah, you got to make yeah, it. And I, I think the, the, at the essence of it though, when you said, what does it make me think about? Yeah. Um, it really reminds me of how 
Judaism is so much based on the cycles of nature and cycles mm-hmm. in general. Um, the number seven being a, such an important cyclical number for us, seven days, and we have Shabbat and um, Shemitah being seven, you know, coming every seven years. And it's, it's just a reminder of how much we're, we're kind of supposed to be living in the cycles of nature and an appreciation for that. Even in the, the, um, if people practice Jewish customs around intimacy, there's an idea of after you menstruate, resting for seven days, tuning into the nature of the, of the female body, the Jewish months that we're celebrating. It's all just echoes of the, of what's going on in nature. Mm, Absolutely. It's interesting what you said, made me think about, you know, Shabbat traditionally, you know, you, you spend all this time on Friday getting ready for Shabbat, which happens, you know, starts at sunset on Friday evening. And it's interesting because when you're in Israel, like, well, Jerusalem, at least it shuts down. (laughs) If you aren't done shopping by the time that it's time to close groceries at four or so in the wintertime on, on Fridays, then you're out of luck. You have nothing to eat. Like there's not really a loophole there (laughs) in trouble. Transit. No public transit. You can't get anywhere. So we learned when we traveled, we, we got into Israel at about 2 p.m. on a Friday. <laughs> and that was very tricky because we had to immediately dash out to the market, grab enough to get us through to the next sunset and hope that that would be enough, sufficient, right? And that was such a real example of experiencing this, like this time of, oh gosh, I should have been prepared, being caught unaware, right? And and it was beautiful too, because if you're ready, you're ready and you everybody's quiet and the city is like goes to sleep for, for this 24 hour period. And it's a really beautiful experience, but you have to be ready, right? But yeah. I also think about how much of that follows falls culturally, normally, I would say, on the woman to prepare, right? At least traditionally it has for the woman to be the one to have all the meals prepped and ready so that the Shabbat day can be a relaxing time of, of studying scripture and of, of just relaxing and, you know, not needing to turn on the oven or wash the dishes or any of those things. So not only is she the one that's prepping for this, she's also the one who benefits the most because all of it's done ahead, right? So she gets to really kick up her heels and enjoy the the Sabbath day. And I think, I don't know, for some reason, then that brings me into the idea that we're going to talk about this feminine nature of both the Sabbath and of of the the Shemitah. And what does it look like for women in particular? Yeah, well, what's really special is Shabbat is associated with the feminine. It Mm -hmm. is the feminine. Um, One of the things that you'll do when Shabbat starts is sing songs that welcome in the bride. Mm -hmm. And her energy is the energy of the feminine, of what's called also malchut, like queenship. And Shabbat is a taste of world peace, higher consciousness, Messiah, whatever you want to call it. And so it's beautiful to think that that's a feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And the day before Shabbat is actually associated with a, a masculine energy, the preparation, the rushing, the, you know, what I, what's kind of just like the consumer capitalist moving nine to five energy. And, and that's the world we live in now. You know, mm-hmm. that's how we spend most of our days and most of our time. But the aim, the goal is to get to Shabbat all the time, just a Shabbat consciousness. And that's the same thing with Shemitah. You know, if we could all live in a state of 
the, and, and I associate Shemitah with the feminine as well, mm-hmm. the state of divine feminine and rest and, and gratitude for just being, not doing. Mm. I think that's why it's so connected to the feminine, the feminine energy. I, I, a couple of years ago was struggling really hard, just really kind of in a a depressed state. And I was never like diagnosed or anything, but you know, when you feel it, right, (laughs) this isn't a good place to be. And I had a coach and I had friends and, you know, people I would seek out their wisdom. And I remember they just kept on repeat saying, Lacey, (laughs) you need to tap into your feminine energy <laughs> they're like you're you're just you're putting off kind of a masculine thing like just too much too much like you're doing too much and i think that you know a lot of times especially when you're a female entrepreneur and you're you have a business you feel like you have to do 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 and you have to check off goals and you have to you know just get things done and that's when you'll see success that's when you'll find success and i think one of the things about the feminine that i was afraid to step into was just that stepping away from my capability to do things and to, to like, I'm, but I can, I can do these things, right? Like I am built to, I can handle it. I can do it. And there's nothing wrong with doing, but there is this, this balance in particular and stepping into a place where in not doing anything, you actually receive more. And, and that for me was a really difficult transition to make at a heart level of it. My energy is not a requirement of my receiving. And that I think is a masculine tendency to feel like in doing, then you receive like dollar for hour, you know, it's sort of how our society is set up to, right. You get a, you get a salary based on your skill level, based on your credentials. Right. And that's not really what Shabbat reflects. That's not what Shemitah reflects, right. You don't, well, I can see the storing up we didn't do such a great job of that. We've done some of that, but what we're noticing is that even though we didn't, we're still being provided for in this, this bigger Shabbat, this Shemitah. And it's giving space for us to look and see the abundance that's happening without our output, which is really where I think the feminine energy has a chance to shine or is different from the work and get, because I'm not against the work and get, I think that there is fair compensation, right? Like that's a thing. But I think also if we leave space for it, it can be different, right? I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts on all of that? I, that, that just resonates with me so much because I, I also struggle with, with the, I think as, as women who just, who have children and go through pregnancy and breastfeed, and then also being women who are like, I want to start a homeschool. I mm-hmm. want to lead birth circles. I want to do all of these other things. I often find like I'm, I struggle with the balance of my masculine and feminine energy and how much to do and how much to step back. So that really, really resonates. And what, what, when you were speaking, it made me just think of like when in pregnancy to create a child, you're just a vessel. Hmm. Like the baby is growing and the placenta hopefully is working. And in a, in a good, healthy pregnancy, the, the person is the vessel. And you receive an entire child at the end of the day. And if I was to maybe try to use that as a mantra when I'm like taking on more and more, and I think that that's what will make me feel better or, and when I say feel better, that's, I want to just highlight that oftentimes in our society, you feel good when you get money (laughs) or followers. Yes. Or likes or interactions. Yeah. 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 However you measure it. 
by some measurement, right? Yeah. So maybe the feeling good is just about, you know, there's so many ways that are also distorting what it means to be successful and the feminine way of being successful isn't something that is, isn't something that our society like prides or emphasizes a lot. The day of breastfeeding is a big day. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, that's not. Um, it's not like I got a thousand dollars for that breastfeeding for that <laughs> month of breastfeeding. <laughs> but hilarious. your baby grew, right? right. Um, so I, it really, it really resonates, and I think that's part of what the shift needs to be. You know, we are living in a world that's full of pain and suffering, and. <laughs> distorted values and Shemitah and Shabbat are opportunities to like reset ourselves. Mm. I often will joke that on Shabbat, I have the greatest ideas and like the yes. biggest epiphanies because I'm not, it's like you said, the less you do, the more you can receive. So true. It's so, it's interesting because it's kind of like, you know, and people can probably recognize like you're standing in the shower, you have this brilliant idea, right? And nothing to write it down on. You're just there washing your hair and all of a sudden. And I think that that's like, we, we were talking a little bit before um, Ariella recommends a book called Rest, Play, Grow. It's a parenting book that I can't wait to check out. But just the title of it makes me like, oh yeah, that's life, right? Like those are the things. That's all that we need to do really. And that's all our children need to do in, in some, but the rest piece, how important it is. And this is something that in, in our society, I don't think children have enough bored time, right? They just don't have enough time to not do anything because if they're bored, what do they do? They pick up their device, right? And then they're not bored anymore, but also their brain doesn't have this chance to do these really miraculous things that happen when you're, when you're literally just bored. And I think that that Shabbat is not just a, it's not just a gift. It's also a challenge. Like, you know, Sometimes it's more of a gift than other times. It's always a gift if I accept the challenge, I think is really what it boils down to. But, but you know, life goes on, even if I'm sitting down on Shabbat, especially where we live. It's not a, it's not built around Shabbat. This is the world that we live in. It's not, the idea of rest is very frivolous, really. And even folks that rest on their Sabbath day, if it's a different day, it still, you know, doesn't always mean shutting off electronics or, you know, there's just a lot of maybe uh, loopholes is the right word, but there are a lot of exceptions we make that maybe inhibit our ability to fully step into that resting. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it is a challenge to keep Shabbat, just like it's a challenge to keep the Shemitah because I think we live in this masculine society. And it's interesting you said that about Messiah, you know, maybe being more feminine. What if the tr- we're, we're all looking for this male, maybe that's not what it's going to be, right? <laughs> it's going to be this shift into like a feminine sort of matriarchy. I don't know. <laughs> well, what, you're, um, what you're saying, it reminds me of a story my dad used to tell me about a husband and a wife who needed wood for the winter. And they decided to have a competition who would, who would cut more wood. And so the, the, the husband, he wakes up early, he's going, he's chopping the wood, he takes a quick lunch, chops wood through dinner, goes to sleep, same routine over and over. The woman, she gets up, has her tea, goes out, chops wood for a couple hours, comes back, takes a nap. This could nice literally lunch. be my house. <laughs> and, that, and my dad would ask, well, who chopped more wood? And you think it's the man, but he's always like, it was the woman. And he asked me, why did the woman chop more wood? And I, and he would say to me, and I wouldn't know. 
Mm-hmm. And he said, because the man forgot to sharpen his saw. And so I, I see rest as being a time of sharpening yourself. You know, in the story, mm-hmm. it's the saw, yeah. but we all need time, you know, to fill up our own cups, yes. to connect with whatever makes us happy, to just be in order to then go out and give off more to the world, yeah. more light more beauty. You know, he was also probably angry and irritable and not fun to be around, which also isn't an energy we necessarily want to put out there where she was probably radiant and doing things out of love and just a totally different energy. So Shabbat. Yeah, that magnetic, that magnetic capability that I think all women have. I mean, probably all people too, to like, to do that, to be in a relaxed state and then for some reason, people are then drawn to that. And then they, you know, bring you things or help you finish the job that you need to finish. Yeah. There's just like, yeah. Oh, I love that. So, and you know, sharpened saws is, it makes all the difference in the world. Right. Because yeah, he would be so irritable after cutting all this wood. And then even more mad if the woman cut more than he did. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a very close to home. My husband's been chopping wood for like three days. So <laughs> But yeah, okay. All right. You talked a little bit about the ties. Lador Vador was your most recent post. And I was hoping we could talk about that a little bit because I know it's a little off topic, but it, it <laughs> made me think about womanhood a little bit because femininity is, you know, this restful time, but it's also this like being open more to, to that receiving, right? And attuned, I think, to something larger than the schedule. You know, I feel like I have a hard time with Drew because he loves a schedule. He loves a list. And, and I appreciate that about him, but it is a very masculine way to do things. And it's you my know, husband's the same, right? And I know women, there are women like this too. So don't, you know, I'm not calling you manly, but for us, that's how it's divided. And he just loves it. And I don't, and honestly feel a little oppressed if somebody gives me a list. But it works great because I can come up with some crazy idea or something that I need to be done. And I put it on the list and he doesn't, he just gets it done. So that's amazing. But he loves the schedule. He wants to know what's on the schedule and he loves Google calendar. And he loves, you know, like these things are like speak his language. And I'm like, I want a planner where I can doodle in the columns and, you know, make it my own, but it's hard for him. He's like, well, I need to know where that is then because I need to see your calendar and all of the things. So it's always a work in progress to, to build these partnerships in marriage. But it got me thinking to like, when you were posting about Lador Vador, you were talking about the umbilical cord and how it, so Lador Vador, for those who don't know, means from generation to generation. And it's just this beautiful phrase of a Hebrew phrase of just, it's in a lot of the prayers and just talking about how, you know, our importance is, I don't know what the right word is that I'm looking for, past down. But I think that the other thing to remember is that also, so do our, well, the blessings and the curses maybe, right? We can pass down a good thing, or we can also pass down a bad thing. And just remembering that there is this very real tie. And when you posted about the umbilical cord, I was like, oh yeah. And it's no, it's a really legit tie, right? Like this is an actual physical thing until it's not anymore, but we do have this representation of what you said, the the belly button to remind us of that. And I think it's such a valuable image because I also know that when we're talking to people about using essential oils for their health, the belly button is a really great applicator. You put it on your belly button and it gets into your bloodstream pretty quickly. And it's sort of like this open door. And it made me think about the feminine nature of really trusting your gut, you know, and, and how your gut is like this 
trigger point where you can feel something all of a sudden and you're like, what set that off? You know, and, and I struggle because sometimes I'll get that feeling and I'll look at my husband and be like, did you feel that? And he'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know, like it's just a totally different almost dimension, but I would love to hear more about and if you would share a little bit about what you even shared in your post about the Lador Vador, I would love to hear what your thoughts. Yeah, you know, so my mom passed away about seven years ago and I was celebrating the anniversary of her death and I was writing and it came to me that my daughter's eggs were in my mom and my daughter never met my mom. My husband never met my mom. Actually, this was the first year where I was remembering her death with no one who knew her. Wow. But knowing that the eggs, like that provided a lot of comfort for me. And I remember just like looking down at my belly button and having like a moment, a a spiritual (laughs) moment and feeling like grateful that we have this mark on us. I never saw my belly button in that way. And so when I was also just thinking about how a lot around in the birth world is so just focused on the medical aspects of birth, which are very important. I was thinking about another layer of birth is this very real connection between our past and present. And there was a midwife, her name's Judy Luce, who told me a story of there was a grandmother who was present when her daughter was giving birth. So she was the grandmother of the baby and she was holding the baby while the umbilical cord was still attached to the mom. And just that image, I have chills thinking about it, but We are so connected physically and spiritually in Judaism. Everything that's physical is also spiritual. It's all everything that's spiritual is physical, physical, spiritual. There's no like, don't do this. Don't drink wine. Don't have sex. It's all about, no, do it and elevate it. Like what, what is the teaching here? Mm. And so, yeah, it just, I, I get emotional thinking it just about how beautiful the belly button is and (laughs) and that it's this everybody has it we're all the same we're all connected you know we're all created in the image of God and we're all coming from a story too not forgetting that we're not like data you know some often we're treated Mm -hmm. like data we're given money based on what we produce our birth what risk are you what number are you but there's so much more to us there's so much more to us and that's the story. And in Judaism, stories are so important. And I, I think if we all kind of had more time and that's also what Shabbat is for, it's like we say, Shabbat's for remembering when we make the blessing on the wine. Mm. Um, it's to emphasize that story piece of where we come from, who we are and where we're going, mm-hmm. making sure we don't forget who we are. Right. Yeah. Oh. I mean, continuing that line. So beautiful. Yeah. All of that imagery of the grandmother holding, I think there's just a, when mothers can experience birth with their daughters and then their, and then their granddaughters, I mean, it's like, there's nothing more powerful than that. And I think that that power has been stripped in the mechanization of the birth process, right? Like it's to make it easier for the doctor and easier for the system, you know, we've eliminated the ability for mothers and daughters to have that connection point that, I mean, I know it was a powerful experience for my mother to watch me birth at home. And I think it changed her mind a little bit about what's normal, right? Like what we call normal now is this, what we see on the birth story show, right? Where water breaks, go to hospital, 
three hours later, our baby is there, right? Like, and, and there's this pain and there's this epidural and there's like this just normalization of a hospital situation that's very sterile and clinical and, and medical, like you said. And, and I think that there's space for that, but there's also like for thousands of years more than we've been doing that, it's been in bedrooms and in, and in private spaces with just a few individuals and with the woman kind of telling what, what's going to happen next, not the doctors or the nurses saying, okay, so here's what we're, where we're going from here. So yeah, I know it's just a really powerful thing and taking that, I mean, you can just take that into the rest of it. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing with our children and, and how are we making decisions about, you know, whether it's like, you know, this rest play grow book, I'm so excited to read, like, how are we making decisions about how their, what their childhood looks like, you know, and what, childhood should look like are we letting someone else tell that to us or are we taking charge of that and then learning those things and starting them for the generation to come so yeah that's all so beautiful I yeah that. I remember and speak I might I might feed my baby while we're talking if sure. that's okay <laughs> I remember this is my little one born how really old she? huh how old is she she's a month and I'll change just born but something that um, what you said is so important. And I think starts can be birth can be like a moment where this is highlighted is as a woman, are you making a decision based on fear or based on like confidence? And I remember the first time my um, oldest daughter got sick, she was like nine months old. And I called the doctor and, and they were like, okay, like do this and do that. And I got into this like fear state. It's like, oh my goodness. Okay. And then I was like, let me call my midwife. And the first thing she said to me was, Ariella, you're doing an amazing job. You know what to do. You're a great mom. Trust yourself. And just hearing that put me at ease. I felt a lot more confident, a lot more tapped into the energy. And so I imagine in birth, if you're being thrown all of these like triggers and we know what's best and really difficult things. It can be hard to, um, to recover from that. And then when you go into your parenting to be able to feel confident in yourself. Mm, it just sets a tone, right? It really does. That's exactly. Yeah. And that's the foundation that I think, I don't, I don't want to say this, but that patriarchy is built upon, <laughs> no. right? Like I do think that when you, from the beginning of where the most empowering moment of a woman's life in giving giving birth to a child, right? And you strip the empowerment from that, then you set up, I mean, you're just totally changing the dynamic of that family, of that community, of everything. And, and wow, what a powerful thing to consider. And it has nothing to do with Shemitah or Shabbat, but <laughs> maybe a little oh, bit. No, we, can, we can loop it back. <laughs> There's always a connection because it's, you know, if we're thinking about the umbilical cord and connection to the mother, you know, maybe the Shemitah and the Shabbat is like our umbilical cord to the divine, mm. you know, like ultimately that's like the main Heather. cord. Yeah. And yeah, if that's like not, you know, if we don't give that space, I mean, we don't have a belly button where we've been connected to God, <laughs> unfortunately. So maybe we need Shabbat. You know, we need like ritual and there's an idea that you have to reveal God. God isn't just like, you know, sitting in front of us or right. on our bodies. So 
Shemitah and Shabbat and all of these other rituals that people of all faiths who are practicing have, it's really about reminding yourself of that. Like I am my umbilical cord to the divine. Uh, that's really beautiful imagery. Yeah. Okay. I love it. All right. Well, I can't, I, I feel like we could go on, but normally we try to keep these relatively digestible. And I think that this is a really good amount to think about and consider for people to sit with and, and hopefully come back and comment on. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to this beautiful conversation. I think this is what I'm going to come back to again and again, because we said so many things that are so important to me and Sometimes you just need to be reminded, you know, like sometimes you just need to have these conversations or hear these conversations and be in the room with someone else who cares about the same thing. So Ariella, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we met on Instagram. Thank you. And when we get to Israel again, hopefully sooner than later, we're stopping by. So I hope you're prepared for that. Definitely. We're here. Well, thank you, everybody. Have a really great day. Folks, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was such a joy to talk to Ariella and have these conversations that we just don't get to have as much anymore. I feel like when the world shuts down, these kind of conversations are the ones that get put on the back burner and they're so important. So I hope you enjoyed. I hope it gave you some food for thought and I hope that moving forward, you're going to embrace your inner femininity and think what that means for the world.